Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to hour number two of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. We are broadcasting live today from the American Legislative Exchange Council Conference in downtown Salt Lake City. And uh, we'll continue to get reaction from uh, some of the speeches and some of the great collaborative work uh, around having these laboratories of democracy, uh, different ways to uh, get to policy, good public policy at the local level as opposed to the national level. And uh, here to help us uh, break down all things political, Steve Hayes uh, joins us. Of course, uh, many of you recognize uh, Steve as a great uh, political strategist and thinker. He's a best-selling author. Uh, and uh, often uh, is a contributor on uh, television. Uh, but most important, he's just one of the smartest guys in D.C. and uh, one of the great uh, thinkers uh, that we have in our country. Steve, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Boyd. Good to be with you. <laughs> Been a while. Hope you're enjoying your summer. And uh, we, uh, we have a, a number of things to get to, including the January 6th commission that launched yesterday. Uh, before we get to that, uh, just because I, I know you uh, are listening to all the other rumblings, it looks like we do have a bipartisan infrastructure bill text now uh, that has uh, all the all the usual goodies and uh, f- fake uh, pay-fors in there. But I uh, wanted to get your perspective, Steve, in terms of where you think that is and what do you think that means uh, moving forward? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a good question. Um <laughs> I, I'm I'm a little surprised that that we got to this point. Um, as with all of these things, as you know better than most, looking at what the, the actual language uh, says will really matter, um, and giving people the time to read the entire proposal um, when it's in legislative language will also really matter. Um, you know, look, there, there's. Democrats haven't made any secret about what they're doing. Um, Nancy Pelosi says it all the time. Joe Biden said it by accident and then quickly tried to to pull it back. They want to marry this bipartisan uh, package with Joe Biden's broader spending package. Um, They want to ram the ladder through on reconciliation. They're talking about trillions of dollars 
Uh, it will include a lot of things that I think are, are irresponsible that we should be spending our money on. Uh, probably aren't the, the role of the federal government in any case, but certainly not when we're $28 trillion in, in debt. So I would, I would put that at the top of my list of concerns as we talk about um, this package. You look back at what Joe Biden said when he ran for, for president. He was going to be a president. He unify the country going to return us back to normal. He certainly hasn't unified the country, but I think in some uh, regrettable respects, he has returned us back to normal, and that normal is spending <laughs> at these levels, and that's unfortunate. That's, that's right, and that's uh, uh, we, we can be equal opportunity offenders in that space. Uh, both the Democrats and the Republicans have been all too willing Absolutely. Uh, to spend, and it, it seems to me, uh, I've been using the analogy in these negotiations on this bipartisan bill, that in many instances, it, it sort of feels like the Democrats are negotiating by giving the Republicans the sleeves off of their vest as they take something out of the bipartisan bill and then just drop it into the reconciliation bill. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and, and again, that's what sort of gives gives the game away and makes me skeptical of of the entire process. I mean, I don't fault the, the Republican senators who worked hard on this bipartisan package. And I think, you know, if, if, if you talk to them and listen to their arguments, they will say, look, it's better for the Republicans to have some influence on what's in this bipartisan package and limit it in, in size and scope uh, so that not everything is dumped into the, to the bigger package that grows and Republicans lose any say whatsoever. I'm pretty sympathetic to that argument. And, and I think yeah. most of the, the people who have been involved in those negotiations are, are doing uh, doing what they're doing from a, a place of, of good faith. But there's there's kind of a, a, a deep skepticism of, of what the Democrats are doing on the spending side. I mean, if you think about it, Joe Biden, in his first 100 days as president, proposed $6 trillion in spending. In his first 100 days, that's just jaw-dropping. It's the kind of thing that if I had told you that a decade ago, you would have laughed at me. Uh, nobody would have talked about proposing $6 trillion in spending in the first 100 days. And, and you know, I think you get mixed mixed um, stories coming out of Republicans who have dealt with Biden on a personal basis, both senators uh, and governors. You say that when you sit across the table from him, he seems to really believe his own rhetoric on being bipartisan, on working across mm-hmm. party lines, on finding compromise. And then he stands up, walks away from the table, and his staff takes over the process, and it's all out the window. I think that's one of the reasons that you've seen increased skepticism from, you know, Senator Romney, Senator Portman, and others who have been working on this on this bill. Yeah, and, and uh, to your point, Steve, I think it is important to uh, applaud the the good faith efforts that that have happened. I think those have all been genuine and good. Uh, but as as you said, it's often the uh, the staffers that get in there, and uh, it might be just a little bit different. I want to ask just one more question on the the dollars and cents of all of this. Uh, you, you mentioned the six plus trillion. Uh, I, we figured it out uh, that it was uh, close to sixty thousand for every household in America, uh, just in that spending. You, you mentioned the national debt at twenty eight trillion, um, and just our interest rate, uh, our interest payments on that 
even with a historic low interest rate, almost zero, uh, is is off the charts. And we're sort of entering this interesting territory where uh, the the one thing that the uh, Congressional Budget Office has scored of late is where we are in our relationship between debt and GDP, and we are crossing that yeah. critical one-to-one. Uh, how do you see that, and what do you hear in terms of conversations in D.C. about that? Well, you don't hear much in conversations in D.C. about it. Um, and, and, and look, I mean, we don't know. I mean, part of what makes it scary, um, you know, as, as economists who are a lot smarter than I am about this stuff, is that we really don't know uh, what happens. What we can be sure about is that if we don't change this, if we don't reverse this, uh, there will be a debt crisis. I mean, that is 100% predictable. There's no question about that. If we keep going in this direction, if we don't alter our path, if we don't get serious about entitlement reform, we will have a debt crisis. And then all of the people in the country who don't care about this, a lot of people who do care about it, but a lot, a lot of people don't. A lot of people are perfectly happy to have the federal government spending more and more money. Everybody's going to care when we have a debt crisis. And yeah. I think that's what's tragic about this, is this is the most predictable catastrophe uh, that we can imagine. And uh, the, the really sad thing, from my perspective, is, and, and you sort of alluded to this earlier, this is, this is the product of Democrats and Republicans. Um, you know, there was a time not too far in, the, in the, the past where Republicans, I think, earned some credibility on questions of debt and deficits. You know, the, 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 the entitlement reform was in the, the House Republican Budgets from 2011 to 2016 uh, was in some of the Senate Senate uh, packages. At the same time, you had Republicans talking in a responsible manner about the need to get ahead of of uh, these problems to solve these issues. And you know, in 2016, that kind of went out the window. Republicans nominated someone who actively campaigned against entitlement reform um, and said, "This is all kind of worry about nothing." And I think it's unfortunate. I think Republicans now are in a position where they're not able to be as credible when they criticize the, the Biden administration for the successes excessive spending. Yeah. Uh, if you're just joining us, we've got Steve Hayes uh, on the line. And one of the great uh, benefits of having the extended inside sources all the way till 3 o'clock every day here on KSL News Radio is we get to do what Einstein said. It's not about being smarter. It's about staying with the questions a little longer. Steve's uh, agreed to stay with us uh, through the next commercial break. When we come back, we'll talk about the January 6th commission, where it is, what it is, and what the outcome should be. Coming up next, stay with us right here on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.